Hello and welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. My name is Erin. I'm your host. I'm a Philly-based healing artist and I have an interview for you today with Blanca Stacy Villalobos. I came across Blanca's work maybe on Instagram and took a dreams class with them and then I just really wanted to have them on the show because their work around dreams is incredible and you've heard me if you've been listening to the show talking about how I've been really immersed in dream work this year especially Um, so it feels really special to have Blanca on and be sharing this conversation with you especially in this sort of liminal space between Samhain, end of October, beginning of November, and the winter solstice. This feels like, I mean, our dreams are powerful all the time, right? Any season can be a container for dreams, but something about this space, this autumn, this winter season really feels like a time to engage with dreams. So I wanted to share something that I heard Tokopa say somewhere who is another um dream worker person who you might have heard of who also has a really beautiful book Um, but she says think of dream work as a practice of dynamic reciprocity between two worlds waking and dreaming seen and unseen physical and holy rather than a mental exercise that we use to acquire in quotes something from our dreams that feels really beautiful for me to think about. Um, I think some of the way that dreams are talked about in the waking world can sort of tend towards that idea of like acquiring something from our dreams or extracting something from our dreams rather than reframe. And there's this reframe that I feel like Tokopa is speaking to in this quote and that I feel like is so present in Blanca's work as well and is so resonant for me, which is why I'm bringing it up, is that dream world is a very real space and it's more about being in relationship with that space and engaging with that world than it is um, going there to, I don't know, check off a box or take some information or... Um, understand one thing it's like a whole rich space of wisdom and magic and symbolism and knowledge and to be in relationship with that world is sacred to me anyways it feels sacred Um, so I thought I might share a little bit about my personal practice with dreams right now and something that really resonates with me that goes along with what I just shared is this idea around letting the dream be alive. Um, I've done a dream tending session with someone that I am hoping to have on the podcast someday. I haven't asked them, but (laughs) hopefully I'll have them on the podcast someday. Um, But I also did a dream work course with them and Sonia Estelle earlier in the fall, and their name is Tara Burke at The Witch's Muse on Instagram. Um, but they talk about letting the dream be alive and going into what's alive in the dream, um, which feels so different, right, from this idea of like, oh, there's a horse in my dream. Google search, what does horse mean? Okay, horse means this thing. It means like peace or sturdiness or something. I have like no idea what Google might say a horse means, but (laughs) it means this. And then like, okay, so that's what this dream means. Like there's such a flat quality to that to me. And the idea of letting dreams be alive is like letting them be mutable and changeable and letting them present maybe more questions than they do answers sometimes. And that's where I'm at in my personal dream practice anyways. Um, letting them, yeah, offer me a lot more questions and spaces for exploration than they do um, final black and white this or that answers, which feels like such a space to be swimming in in this season. Maybe that's why (laughs) dream work feels so appropriate for this season to me. Um, So, yeah, I write down my dreams every morning. That's a really um, sacred practice for me. And 
I have ebbed and flowed with this practice for years with working with my dreams. Um, I, I believe that we all have such a beautiful capacity to dream and definitely it's not like some people are dreamers and some people are not and Blanca speaks to this as well. Like we, we all can be dreamers, um, but I have always been someone who really easily remembered my dreams and has had a pretty vivid um, dream life that I can remember and engage with for as long as I can remember. So I really ebbed and flowed in practice of like writing down my dreams in the morning and really connecting with them. Um, but I've been doing that this year every morning and that feels like such a special transition <laughs> into waking life, right? Like transitioning from one world to the next. And I'm finding that giving myself space and time to continue to be in engagement with my dream before I fully wake up in the morning is really supportive. So often I'll wake up generally to like a gentle alarm if it's a weekday morning or morning where I'm working. Um, and I'll turn the alarm off and so I'm awake, but I sort of am finding myself often sinking back into dream space, but with from a waking place. And I'm not really sure how to explain it, but I'll just like spend a bit more time in the dream before I actually come to full consciousness and write it down. Um, and I've never spent much time doing that before this year. I don't know why. I don't know if that was just not really available for me then, or I wasn't really open to it, or I just wasn't giving myself the time or didn't have the time, you know, to actually like stay in bed a bit and be in that space. Um, but holding that space for myself has been really special. And I find that maybe I notice things that I hadn't noticed before. Um, or I hadn't remembered from the dream as soon as I woke up, but then I'm in it again and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and I think the last thing I'll say, the one of the biggest things I've been doing and engaging with my dreams has been practice of, after I write them down, feeling into what feels interesting or alive in the dream. And I'm not doing this for every dream or every morning, but in a dream that I feel like, oh, I really want to explore this, um, then I'll just sit with it and look into or feel into like what feels particularly alive in this dream, what feels really interesting in this dream. Um, and do I have any associations with that? Like maybe there's like a person and I start thinking, a person that I know in my waking life and I start digging into like, huh, what's my relationship like with this person? What is the idea of this person bringing up for me or whatever? Or it's like a symbol or an animal or something like that. And I just start to go into, okay, what comes up for me when I think of this thing? Oh, and this is taking me to another place that's making me think of another thing that's making me think of another thing. Um, and this is a combination of things that I've learned from both Tara and Blanca, who you're going to hear from in this episode, I promise soon. If you can't tell, I could talk about dreams for forever. <laughs> um, but what I like about that is it just gives me a little more insight into what the dream is about or what's coming through the dream for me, again, without anything that's like, this means that, or <laughs> this dream is saying this thing. It's like a much more fluid space and opens up um, more space to explore to me anyways. And I guess the actual last thing I want to share <laughs> is I've also been occasionally um, taking dream questions into dream space. So, for example, after I did my dream tending session, um, there were some questions that were offered to me to explore in the dream space, and so I spent some time meditating with just one of those questions before bed and asked, you know, for some, for that question to be answered or explored through the dream, and it was. <laughs> it, um... It really surprised me, honestly, how clear it was, not in like a yes-no sense, but in like, wow, I asked for this to come through and it completely did and opened up even more things <laughs> for me to, to explore and also it feels like offered some, some real clarity on what I was thinking about. Um, so I've been doing a bit of that and exploring, taking different um, questions into dream space and seeing, seeing what happens there. 
Um, so yeah, I think that's all I want to share about how I'm working with dreams right now and in relationship with dreams there's so much to talk about um but luckily (laughs) Blanca and I talk way more about this in the interview so just a little bit about Blanca um Blanca uses she they pronouns and they are a freelance cultural worker with roots in the San Jorginial Pass of Southern California and Jalisco She is a proud queer daughter of Mexican immigrants and comes from a long line of dreamers and educators. So I know them through their dream offerings, obviously, but they're also a community educator and backcountry guide. And in this episode, we talk about her journey with her dreams, having experiences beyond what is verified by studies and academic research, both as a brown person and also as it applies to the dream world. Her creative expression as intertwined with her dream practice, the dream world as real, just as real as waking life, what they believe dreams are, what dreams are to them. Um, Do we have a responsibility to try to understand our dreams? Choosing which dreams to make space for and work with, healing dreams and relationship dreams, sex dreams and dreams about crushes, holding space for dreams with people you trust, dreams as trauma work, guidance on understanding what your dreams mean, and so much, just so much goodness about dreams. If you're into dreams or want to explore dreams at all, this is the episode for you, or if you're just like intrigued by your subconscious, if you're intrigued by dreams, I think this is going to be a really fascinating conversation for you to listen to. Um, I just have one thing that I wanted to share before we get into the interview. I mentioned this in the last episode, but my breathwork series for creating deeper intimacy with the self through heart healing and heart opening is coming back this month and in a couple weeks it's going to open for registration on november 16th it's called breathwork for the heart and i held it a year ago last november it's really a container that feels sacred to hold again in this fall and winter season specifically last year it was a really beautiful space to be together to feel our feelings, to move through shame, to hold space for ourselves. Um, And my intention is really to hold that space to help you be with yourself, to help you be with your feelings, to help you grieve, to help you release whatever you need. Um, So you can really, you know, embody more of yourself, love yourself more. That's really what like all my work is about at the core of it. So I'm really excited to be holding the container again for Breathwork for the Heart. And um, yeah, I'm sure I'll be talking about it more on here, but there's nothing to do right now. You can just sort of stay tuned. I will say there is going to be a pretty special offering for anyone who decides to join us on the first day that it's open. You're going to get access to my 30 days of embodiment course get into your body so that will be available as well if you want to to mark your calendar and just know that that's coming um but yeah that's all i wanted to share enjoy my conversation with blanca but i really like to start the show by hearing about your journey so i would love to hear anything you want to share about how you've gotten to this moment um and particularly curious about like your journey of working with your dreams. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think, so I've always remembered having a really active dream life since I was a kid. Um, I have a few dreams that I remember from my childhood that are pretty vivid. Um, like, and they fluctuate between like flying ones to like nightmares. to just like, I remember there was one where I was being chased by a dinosaur in this huge city, like all these skyscrapers, and I had never been to a city like that before. Um, so I, I can imagine it was, it, it might have looked like what New York looks like today. Um, yeah, and so I have all those memories as a child from dreaming. Um, and I would talk about my dreams to my parents, but it was never 
Um, like I never, I, I only, sh I share them just to share them and not, re not really so much to seek like, understanding from them, but it was more like, oh, this happened to me or I, I had this like, experience. Um, and so it was just very normal to have that conversation with my parents, more so with my mom. Um, I have a much more intimate con uh, relationship with my mom than my dad. And so she was usually the one where if anything were to happen to me, like, I guess what I can consider spiritually, it was always with her that I would um, process things or go to if I had questions. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I continued to dream um, ever since. And I didn't really have sleep paralysis until I was a teenager. Um, and I am pr I'm pretty sure I know what activated that or what triggered that. But when I think about like my, my practice, like my dreaming as a practice now, my work, um, I don't think that opened up really when I was living in Portland, Oregon. And it was mostly due to the fact that I was living with a cis straight white man um, who would tell me that my dreams didn't matter, that they didn't, that they, you know, there were nothing for me to, I guess, get emotional about. Um, and I would, I would, he would actually kind of like shame me for waking him up in the middle of the night after having like a really distraught experience. And so that was a huge, like, not only like a, a, a red flag for this relationship isn't working, <laughs> definitely this like marker for me to really pay attention to my dreams and also like how my dream dream world really impacted me and what I was getting through through um, what kind of information I was receiving through that through that channel. Um, and it also just kind of reminded me in a way that like oh these kinds of practices are seen as non-existent or crazy or um, not important by most Western society. Like just, you know, uh, it, it was just like really illuminating for me how much of like my personal lived experiences are invalidated or not seen as real by most these white cis men as being like oh like i i only need i can only believe in something if it's if it's written by an academic like my not just like my dream life but like my my experience as like a brown person in the states like as an indigenous person like anytime i try to share that kind of stuff with the few white folks in my close circle and that was mostly through that relationship with that man but it was like, I, I felt like I had to constantly be trying to prove a point, but because I didn't have an academic paper <laughs> to validate it, it was like not seen as real or important. And so, yeah, that was like about 20, what was that? Like, yeah, like 20, 2013 when all that happened. And that's when I decided not only to leave that relationship, but to continue um, deepening my relationship to just like my 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 parents' lineage to the dreams um, and to really even though I wasn't like vocalizing like oh I want to meet other people that do this kind of work like I was definitely I feel like my my like spirit was really needing it so I think I was just being introduced and sharing space with folks that were on that path um, and that was felt really good to me um, it was also pretty messy. <laughs> I think what I feel like, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but like when I decided to like do that work very intentionally, um, like I didn't grow up, like I grew up in a Catholic family and, but my parents both have, and they still do a lot of things that are indigenous practices, but because of the colonization um, and assimilation, like they don't speak about, they don't, they don't see that as like indigenous practices or indigenous knowledge. It's just like, they just did it. It was just done that way. Um, and, uh, and so for me, it, I couldn't really, like I, I tried for various years trying to ask them questions that I was curious about and noticed that the ways that I was 
I was asking these questions wasn't the, like the best way to get uh, what to get the, the stories that I wanted to um, because of the way that um, my my parents families were colonized and how Mexico was um, colonized so having to ask questions that are more maybe not thoughtful but using a different language like instead of saying like oh were there any brujas in our family or just like were there any people that worked with plants or did anyone have a garden like you know like things like that um because a lot of those like a lot of those identities were um weren't <laughs> weren't paraded around the way they are now <laughs> yeah like it's very, it's very trendy to, to identify as a bruja to identify as a curandera but i can imagine like having those identities or markers in the community like puts you in a risk really really risky place so it wasn't something you would talk about like very openly yeah. um and even even like identifying as an artist um and identifying as an activist now in 2020 that's still risky at least in mexico like you can't be an activist without having being high risk for murder being murdered you can't be an artist that is very in tune with systemic oppression and vocal about that without high risk of being you know kidnapped you can't be a, a femme so all these things that i identify with and i um i don't think i could ever really let go of for my own mental health are things that my parents uh like those are markers for you know risk you know, having, you know, having to live a risky life in Mexico. So mm -hmm. I had to really contend with that and, um, and also understand why my parents growing up didn't always want to, uh, like, always try to persuade me to, to have different careers because of also the myth of, like, the American dream for migrants, for immigrants. Um, and so, yeah, so, like, you know, when I, that's all I said, when I, when I decided to to then expand and deepen my practice with dreaming, it was also something that I kept pretty quiet and didn't really talk much about. And I actually did a lot of that work um, by myself uh, without really speaking to too many people. I was like reading books. I was chatting to like my mom and my dad, mostly my sister, um, and maybe just a few, maybe like two to three friends. But that was about it. It wasn't something that I was like already shouting all over the internet <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and then i started working at uh, a latinx nonprofit in portland oregon that's where i was living at and i was specifically doing sexual assault prevention work with latinx youth so i had to through the grant that i was on teach uh, teach workshops on how to have healthy relationships and so a lot of these conferences work um we're also asking facilitators to provide culturally specific workshops, not just ones like, like the one I was teaching through my job, but like other ones that were like more, more so on the creative expression and like healing, like well-being. And so I, I, with the consent of my managers, I was able to not only like do the, the workshop that I had to for my role in the organization, but I was also able to offer another workshop that was a little bit more i wouldn't say like more casual or like lighter but it was definitely more more on the like okay like let's like i would i would teach i would um facilitate a workshop just on dreams but it was very open and there was plant talk but it, again it was like very minimal uh, only because at that time um i was I was in the beginning, I was in the beginning stages of working with plants anyway, so I didn't want to give away plants or sh share all, all of, share everything about, or share so too much about these plants if I don't already have an established relationship with these plant allies. Um, but it was great because, you know, these students would sit in a circle with me and we would just have an open conversation about dreams and what they, what they would, you know, I would ask the general question about, you know, what do you think dreams are? Where do you think they come from? What happens when you go to sleep? And um, most of the students, like half of the students, re didn't really talk, but they were very, they were intently listening, while the other ones shared so much about how they would see, like, their ancestors come to them and talk to them, 
there is also quite a few students who would share that they would have visitations from family members or, that were about to transition and how that was either really scary for them to experience or really like fascinating to them and it was like a point of like you know they didn't call it medicine but I feel like it was very healing for them to see like to know that one of their um, relatives about to pass or that relative came to them to say goodbye and that's so that you know that was, that's so important and that's so uh, special um, so yeah that that's kind of that's about where I started doing my my dream work in a more open space but it was still it was still only in in you know with those with those use in those spaces so it was very it was very like, still like academic space and like nonprofit space which is not my favorite space to be in in a nonprofit um, so I had to work with the, within those structures but I think because I was working with a culturally specific organization they understood how important it is to to bring up like you know indigenous knowledge you know to to these young people. And um, because a lot of them hold indigenous knowledge, but again, in the same way that my parents grew up and that I was raised, they don't, they don't identify as indigenous knowledge. It's like, oh, this is just what we do. Mm. You know, I, I wake, I, my mom would have me gather certain plants in our garden whenever I had um, painful periods, you know, and she just knew which ones to grab. And she, she won't ever call that indigenous knowledge. She just said like, oh, that's what I learned. Or that's, I just know that that's the plant for you, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, after that, um, I was pretty quiet on my end, I guess, for, for sharing like space and facilitating space around dreams. But, um, I, you know, it was towards the, actually it was towards the end of my time in Portland, um, in like late 2017 that I, I was doing, I was doing work in a, art collective that I helped um, put together that actually expanded into a collective for my own <clears throat> work as an artist. <clears throat> and it kind of, it grew into this like uh, group and, and like, you know, uh, it was very action oriented in Portland. But um, at, at one moment I felt like I already knew I was going to leave the collective anyways, because I was always, I was always very, honest about wanting to move back to California to be closer to family and to my roots. And so towards the end of 2017, I began to, um, I began to shift my, my energy to doing art that was again, more closely related to me. Cause I had spent about three years doing a lot of art and organizing work through this collective. So again, it's like, you know, I obviously I'm bringing my own skill sets and my own, um, uh, like interest from from art practice into this collective space, but what we were making was in in a in a collective way. It was in a, it was you know with the group and for the community. And so I was I was you know had to table a lot of my own projects to do this to do this in in a in a group setting. So I made the decision to shift my my energy and the small capacity that I had to actually tend to like myself and my own art and um and which felt you know if I, I felt like guilty for a little bit because I felt like I was abandoning this collective but at the same time like if I don't if I don't tend to myself how can I be present for the community as a whole um and so uh for the most part like the second half of 2017 I I did about three residencies um all spread out and there and i was i'm really thankful that i got to have that experience during my last year in portland um like my creative expression is very much so intertwined with my dream practice um just because i have i have so I, like a lot a lot of what i do in the waking life is reflected in my dream life and vice versa and i feel like that's i feel like that's a i feel like that's that's true for everyone everyone that at least like dreams or enjoys dreaming or is trying to maybe have a healthier relationship to their sleep and dream life but you know they're both both of those places are very real and they mirror one another and so 
um, it makes sense for me to be able to create work from the information I was gathering from dreaming. And so um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of what I did that, that summer in, in 2017 inter integrated both my, my performance practice, because that's, that's pretty much what I was doing in my last few years in Portland was doing performance work, performance art and storytelling. And so, and that in and of itself is a whole other area of doing channeling work. Yeah. Which is why, which is why, like, I, I, when I returned from Portland, I gave myself, like, a, a break. I'm still kind of on a break. I don't, I'm not doing performance right now because it's, it can be really exhausting. Um, because, I mean, it, it is something that has a potential to be channeling work, to be work, you know, um, is not to say that everyone that does performance is doing it with that in mind. Um, or knows that that's, what, that's what's happening when you're doing it. Um, but it was definitely happening to me. And it, like, I had to, I had to stop doing that because it was very, I got to a point where it wasn't sustainable for me or didn't feel safe anymore. Um, and even though I really enjoy it now, I still really enjoy it. I try to figure out how to do performance work in a way that feels nourishing and where I have a, uh, a structure in place to feel protected of my energy, especially because when you do performance work in front of an audience, it's very vulnerable. And you're not only like feeding off of the room and off of everyone else's energy, but those people are also gathering and absorbing from you. And there's more of them than you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, that, you know, like I, I've always seen my art practice, like, as part of, I guess, what I would call like my spiritual, spiritual practice is very creative. And it's very, like, I, I enjoy flowing, but I also enjoy having a structure. Um, and so one of those residencies, it was, um, it was called resident residency in the garden. And it was in Northeast Portland. It was, um, at a, it was on the property um, of, a, of someone who now is a friend or at least a community member. And they had this tent set up in the back and it, it was a residency, so one artist at a time. And that residency, you know, I had to have like some sort of like culmination in my work or process, but I was also given the space to do like a, like a workshop if I wanted to. So it wasn't, it wasn't, this workshop that I had in mind was a dream workshop and it was the first time I had ever done a dream workshop with adults. Mm. Like I had only ever done it with the, with the students, right. And with their chaperones, but never with like people in my community, other artists, other people, other people that do like that do or are interested in like divination work or channeling work. And so I told the organizer that I would love to do one, but I wanted it to be really intimate and like small. Um, and I didn't really want to, uh, invite too many people from the community I didn't really know and so um, I trusted them to invite people in on like on in their own network like small network of, of folks that they know and so yeah it was just maybe a gathering of like about 10 of us in the living room of that house and yeah that was the first time I ever did a workshop with with adults and it was really lovely I um it's it's it was nowhere, it was nothing like the one that you were on with me. <laughs> yeah. It was very different, but we did do a meditation piece where we did like do a dream recall and brought in the dream into the space and then held space for it. And then uh, went around and helped, helped one another interpret it. Um, so that was like, what well, that's kind of still has stayed the same. Um, but it was mostly just chatting like we're doing now about like, dreams like what they are like where they come from what we what we do with them how do they inform our our, our lives um you know what we struggle with when we dream or when we fall asleep you know um and so that yeah those are those are the beginnings i guess i can stop there in case you have any comments or questions yeah i mean thank you so much for sharing all of that i have so many questions and i really appreciate <laughs> I really appreciate hearing too about, yeah, your relationship with creativity and creativity as, yeah, like flow and structure and a spiritual practice too. So thank you for sharing that. I think mm -hmm. you mentioned this a couple of times, so I just kind of want to ask you, like, um, 
what are dreams to you? Like when you think about dreams, what are they like? Where do they come from? Or where do you think that they come from? Yeah. Um, so I, I guess for me, I, I, I do think they are, I think they're some, I think some of, so they're not all the same for me. Um, and so I feel like, I feel like for the most part, most of what I experience are, is like, I would say like, and I'm not saying this in a way that's negative, but it's like debris for my waking life. So it's like whatever I'm not holding space for in my waking life, whatever I'm not listening to, it's going to um, make itself known in the dream realm. So that can be like a lesson that I'm going through in my waking life. It can be in any, any kind of relationship that I'm struggling with or that I'm um, excited about and it's just popping up in my dreams. So I feel like it's, it's my, it's either like, I feel like they're coming from my subconscious and definitely like my higher self. Um, but then these other, other set of like dreams or like, I guess like types of dreams that aren't really, that aren't really reflections of my dream of my waking life in, in, in like as a whole. But they're most, but for the most part, their their information that's coming to me from my ancestors, and I guess from maybe what I guess I, I could call like a like like the collective of like this like of this moment of this like life, um, because I tend to like see people or see places that I they probably do exist, but I haven't met them or I've never been to a place that looks like that. So I feel like there, um, I am in Mexican traditional medicine, there are these things called winds. So I feel like dreams also have winds. And so I feel like that there, is, there are certain experiences that come through to me that aren't really reflections about, they aren't, that aren't really like the, just like debris reflection of my waking life, but there, there are these like sueños ajenos, so like, for, like foreign or, um, um, external dreams that are just passing through um, and for some reason they're landing in me. Yeah um, I heard someone say the other day like your dream is for you like if you have a dream like it's for for you and like yeah like even if it's you know it's like landing for you but it is for you to have and mm -hmm. to hold and to work with and I, I really appreciated that idea because sometimes I think about my dreams and I'm like what the fuck like <laughs> you know sometimes they're just really wild and I think yeah. I really felt so attracted to your work in general and just dream work because I've always remembered my dreams and I have always like I feel like I dream every night and remember them almost every night without trying to mm -hmm. um, but have not had that many tools for understanding like what's actually like, what are my dreams? What's actually happening there? So yeah, I really appreciate your work um, around dreams. And I think I also just want to ask like, why, like, why do we work with dreams to, to understand them? Like, does it matter if we like, can we just allow our dreams to be like, do we have a responsibility to like try and understand them? Like, what are your thoughts <laughs> about that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, so, so I had an elder tell me that, and I, and I, and I believe in this, everyone has a capacity to dream, but that's not everybody's job. It's not everybody's role to be a dreamer. And so, um, I feel like everyone has free will and agency. So you, if this is something that you feel really called to, yeah, like step into that work. And if it's not like, it's okay to just let it be. Um, I still think that there are can be really important things that come through to people that maybe don't feel like that doesn't, maybe that work doesn't resonate with them. But I mean, some of my siblings who don't, most of my siblings I think wouldn't consider dreams to be a spiritual practice or something that resonates with them. But you know, every once in a while, like, Oh my God, I had this like wild dream. And so something about it impacted them to the extent that they want to share it. Right. And, they might not be, they're not, they might be just sharing it because it was so impactful and not so much to like want to get any kind of guidance on it, but they just really want someone to listen to them. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's like, you know, I used to do organizing work on, on um, like tra uh, transit justice, like uh, sorry, uh, transportation justice in Portland. And we would have to 
be on the bus and ask people like there's like you know ask people about their experience riding um uh you know riding the transit in portland and some of these folks most of them were like you know elderly folks uh folks you know with disabilities and for the most part no one's ever asked them those questions Mm. and so i feel like a lot of us would like to share our stories whether they're from dreams or our waking life but we don't have anyone to hold space for them in in you know and it's not to say that we're trying to find solutions to them or um like any kind of tangible like support on them it's mostly just like they just want they just want to know that they're being seen and witnessed in their experience and so so you know going back going back to dreams i feel like for on the other spectrum i guess for folks that do resonate with dream work that are uh, that do gravitate towards wanting to understand them. I think we have to be real about the way that most of the societies and most of the society that we the societies that we all live in around the world, we don't, it's not set up for us to give space to every dream that we have every day or every night. Um, you know, because of capitalism and because of the patriarchy and so many other um, oppressive systems, like, we don't have time to attend to every dream that we have or every experience that we have. And so something that I teach in my class that came through a question from one of my students was like, you just can't, you also have to practice non-attachment to your dreams. Like we, like we don't have the capacity, even for someone like me, I am single. I don't have kids. So I don't have like really, I don't really have dependents except for my cat and my dog. Right. <laughs> Um, and I have a, a somewhat like good support system from community and some family, but even then, like I, because of the of the world that I live in, I don't have the capacity to attend to all my dreams. Sometimes I just need to rest and to work on other things in my life. And so, um, the dreams that I do hold space for are are few, every every week or every month. Um, so even though I can retain a lot of like, I can recall and I retain a lot of like what I was experiencing, like, to be honest, I don't, I don't make space for all of them and that's okay. Yeah. How do you, like, how do you choose which dreams you want to go deeper with? Are they just the ones that like you really felt something about or that really stuck with you? Like, what is that process like? Yeah. Um, well, there are certainly some that I feel are um, asking me to do some sort of ritual or reckoning with, you know, like I hold a lot of privilege that is harmful to, that can be harmful to other people that don't have the same privileges that I do. Um, and this is what I talk about, like dreams also holding us accountable to the work that we all have to do. And so there's definitely like, you know, there's somewhere uh, I'm dreaming about a relationship, can be with family, with friends or with my work life, like when I was working in a nonprofit, um, that show up as a way to remind me that like either I'm still hurting from this um, or that I caused harm in some way. And so I need to do the work. That doesn't mean that I have to do it with the person that I have that interaction with, right? I still have to respect like their boundaries and my boundaries, but that doesn't mean that I can't do it on my own. And so, um, yeah, you know, definitely when I've had dreams about relationships with folks um, where there was some kind of like tension or conflict, those are the ones that I like to hold more space for. Um, I do have dreams about people like I have, cr- I have crushes on, blah, 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 like all, and like all those like really yeah. sweet ones, you know, and those are nice to have. Like those are just, ugh. I was, I was actually talking to a client like last week about like having like, like uh these experiences around sex in like when i'm asleep and you know like i like like those are amazing like very euphoric experiences that i have um but they can just exist as, as they are like i don't have to like i i'm someone that doesn't really need to like do anything with those just kind of grateful that i had them um okay. yeah but w- the ones that i have around relationships that felt like there, there needs to be like, like the, the work there isn't done. Those are the ones that I try to make more space for. 
Um, and there are also dreams where I feel like either I'm dreaming about someone that I admire in this moment or have admired in the past and like have held a lot of respect for, um, or even a current friend that I just confide in and trust. I'll have dreams where those people show up and they're showing me or telling me something. And again, it's like, I have to practice how to discern and interpret that dream. Like, oh, did I dream about my friend because I need to tell her about this? Or did I dream about this friend because like the only way I'm, get, I'm able, I'm the only way that I'm able, that I'm gonna be able to listen to this is through someone that I admire and respect. Mm. And so those, like, those are like messages or information that comes through that I know I need to hold space for in some way. Um, and just to give an example, like, like um, I had a friend show up in my dream and um, we were just hanging out. But one of the, one of the, the things that this friend in the dream told, uh, was telling me about was about like, you know, the, the, the subject of weight and body size. And at that moment, um, I hadn't really been talking to my friend in the waking world around like my own insecurities around body and it's changing and it's like um the nature of it and, and how it's like changing as i age and as i like move about this world um but you know that's you know sh she brought that up in the dream as a way to be like hey i know you're going through this and this is really hard you know and so that for me was just like okay i need to be more gentle with myself and with my body because i'm going through a really hard time <clears throat> around this and um, I didn't have to share that with the, with a friend in the waking life, but I decided that I wanted to. And it actually became this really beautiful, like, conversation around, like, how to, like, how we're taking care of these bodies that are holding us in this life, you know, like flesh and bone. Um, and it was such a healing conversation, both for my friend and for myself. And she actually shared her own journey with, like, with, like, food, with, like, exercise, and with, like, you know, with, with just like body size um so this is really nice and i feel like again like it's like sometimes i'll dream about people that i admire and respect because i'm probably not able to be sweet to myself around those themes but these people represent a lot of sweetness in my life and so they're able to come into my dream life and talk to me about these things mm. Yeah, that's so interesting. And what you're saying about like relationships showing up in dreams is making me think about this dream that I had, which is maybe one of the most powerful dreams I've ever had, um, like a year or two ago, where there was this old relationship, the old romantic relationship that had ended years ago. Um, but there was still it was like not quite complete for me. And in the dream, like we had this like closure conversation and like they shared with me this book that they had written about our like the trauma of our relationship and it was like all oh. it was like a really powerful dream and when I woke up I was like oh I really feel like that shifted like I have no idea what that was but I really feel like that shifted something like it feels done now mm -hmm. um, which was so powerful yeah just like while I'm asleep my I don't know, subconscious, my body is like <laughs> creating that for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's amazing because like I've had one similar in the last year too about like a, it wasn't, it wasn't a partner, but it was a friendship breakup that I had years ago that like really, it was really depressing for me to like learn about and to experience. And this friend had, has always been in my dreams every now and then. And then finally had this one dream where, yeah, it was, it was, we were having closure. Like we hugged each other in a dream. And it, in, while I was in the dream, I knew that like this was finished. Like there was no reason for me to feel so maybe ashamed or guilty or sad about having lost this person as like a friend, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was very um, loving in the dream. And I, there was no, again, there was no need for me to like, contact this person. It's like, no, like, it, like we, we both have had like our closure now yeah. and it feels really like really amazing um yeah yeah like we took care of it in the dream so it's like <laughs> we don't need <laughs> to like have that conversation yeah which makes me think about how 
I, I don't know, like dreams can be so healing, at least for, for me, they definitely can be. And just like the wide variety of dreams we can have too. Like when you were saying crushes, I was like, is she going to talk about sex dreams? Like, great. <laughs> like those kinds of dreams too. It's like so wild what capacity we have for like all of these different kinds of dreams and experiences. And I don't know, it's so beautiful. I'm like, this is just my personal love letter to dreams, I guess. But <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I... It's so funny because when I when I moved back from Portland, I was like living with my family for about like the like for like two years, and then I moved out and I'm living now by myself in the desert just since this last November. But when I when I moved back from Portland, back to my hometown, I had so many dreams, and I wasn't seeing a therapist yet. Um, I had I had so many dreams about like crushes and sex and um and like what was happening is that I was dreaming about these like previous cis men in my life that either I was like attracted to or had been in some kind of like in a uh, relationship with and then I was having these moments and these dreams with 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 them and we were doing something sexual or about to and I just felt super disgusted like 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 I would just felt really disgusted I was like that like like as we were doing this like action sexual like action I was like this doesn't feel good mm. this doesn't feel good this feels really gross I'm not really this isn't fun for me and then on the flip side I was having these dreams um these like sex dreams with women yeah uh with, like with mostly with femmes and some of them were my friends and like that's another that's like another thing too it was just like I felt so comfortable, so much more comfortable in my body in relationship to having um, sex, sex with these like femmes. It felt safe for, for uh, first and foremost. It felt safe, um, and I just felt really good. Like I felt beautiful. I felt like 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 liberated. I felt like I had more more freedom, and um, and it just felt better. Like I felt it just felt better. I was more attracted to them. Um, and it was funny because then there were these other ones where I was just masturbating and it was, so, and it was so nice. And I'm someone that is kind of like on the asexual spectrum. So to, again, like, like I can have all these amazing, like euphoric sexual experiences in my dreams. And that's like, that's solid. I don't need to do any of that in my waking life. <laughs> like, like that's that, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm, that's great. Like that's where I'm getting those, those needs met is like when I'm sleeping. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they're pretty amazing. I haven't had those kind of dreams for a while, but it was, you know, again, like I said, like I, I'm someone that doesn't believe in therapy. Um, not all therapy kinds of therapy work work for everyone. Like I can only do so much talk therapy, and then mm. I hit a wall because I need I need something that's somatic or connected to my body to kind of continue. Um, but like I, I just felt like I was so, doing so much like trauma work in my dreams around my sexuality about around um like trauma from like you know sexual abuse as a child and also as like an adult and so i felt like a lot of that was being worked on in in these dreams because i had like a number of them happening um throughout these like throughout the, at least throughout the first year and you know and it was also i think i think important to know that i was like living i was i had moved back i was not only living with my parents who raised me but also living in the same house that i was raised in and mm -hmm. so there were a lot of like these like like ghosts of me as a child as a teenager in this home so there's a lot of like there's a lot coming up for me around yeah like around like family fam familial wounds that were getting worked on worked on through my dreams as well um, you know, so I was really thankful for that moment to have these dreams around sex and sexuality and, you know, like, am I, you know, am I queerness as well? And, and like, and like, I didn't have access to therapy yet. So that was great. So I do see dream work being very therapeutic. I mean, it obviously is more, is helpful if you have a support system and if you have a therapist or if you have at least a small community of friends that can hold space for you um, and not project any judgment onto your or any of their own ideas around your dreams but instead just like really listen mm -hmm. and hold space and if you want like some guidance on it you like the, the dreamer can 
can ask that and can guide, like facilitate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, also what you're saying about these dreams around like sexuality and queerness is making me think about how I used to have more sex dreams with women before I was really like out to myself as a queer person. And I'm like, maybe that helps yeah. me understand <laughs> that. <laughs> That's so cool. I'd never really like connected it before, but now I'm like, oh wait, I remember that. <laughs> That's wild. Um, <laughs> I feel <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I just uh, it was like it's amazing, and like you know, it's like maybe in the moment. It's like you know, uh, I mean, I don't know if you've ever done EMDR, but it's something that I'm, I do now with my therapist, and it's like rapid eye movement um, technique for therapists. But it's the same damn thing that happens when we dream. Like when we have REM <laughs> sleep, our eyes are doing that. So it's just like we're also doing that work as we're sleeping and dreaming. So it makes sense that dream work is, is you know, in a way is like trauma. It's trauma work, you know, and sometimes it's not fun. Obviously, it can be really incredibly like scary and stressful and triggering. But I mean, um, yeah, it isn't that's that's pretty beautiful that you were able to have those dreams back then. And even if you didn't know how they were connected to you coming out later, it's like your, your brain was doing that for you, right? Yeah. It's like, like your brain was making these, like, was like, creating these dreams for your subconscious or your ancestors or whoever it is that you felt like that, that kind of placed those um, into your space. Like that's, that was being kind of weaved out for you. Yeah, that's so incredible. And I, <laughs> I know we only have a couple of minutes left, but I feel like I have to yeah. ask you before we go, if there's yeah. anything that you want to offer to people around like starting to understand their dreams. I think what I really appreciated from your class and also like, please share, I know you have like more dream classes coming up, but um, what I really appreciated about your class was so much of it was just like asking questions about, it wasn't like a wolf means this, you know, it's not like that. It's like asking questions to like explore what the dream means and not framing it in this way of like, there is a right answer or a thing and you just have to figure it out or find it, which I really appreciate it. So yeah, I'd love anything you want to share about that for people. Yeah, no, um, like I think what the, the, what comes up for me first is for, for folks that are already um, writing down their dreams and, and are curious about what they mean, don't use a dream dictionary and don't Google like what, what, you know, dreaming about a pair of sunglasses or <laughs> that like, I mean I don't know or like you know it's just like like every so all you know collectively we will have similar dreams like the with people's teeth falling out or you being naked in a public space like those kind of things right but even even so like you're the person dreaming it not this other person right? Even if they had a similar dream, like you're both are going through very different things in your personal lives. And, and you only, and, and so I feel like that's why it's really important to try not to Google what, what that, what those symbols mean, because everyone has their own particular relationship to objects, to beings, to symbols, um, through their own personal experiences or through their culture or their community. And so my advice would be to start making up, start learning about like what those, what those symbols mean to you. Um, and if you, there isn't any kind of like reference, like point of reference for them, then um, I would say, you know, ask people, do research about maybe your culture, if you, if you know about your culture or ask your elders, like, hey, like, what has this thing meant for us in our community or in our lineage or in our culture? Are there any stories written about this? Right. And so um, that's what I would recommend people to, to do is to not, not put so much trust in dream dictionaries or Google searches, because the more you try to seek meaning outside of yourself, the, the, the further away you get from your own intuition and from your own meaning. Cause again, like, we shared at the beginning, like this dream came to you and all the content came to you. And so it's your job to parse it out and make meaning, not this dream dictionary by like 
Mark <laughs> on the internet, you know? Stories <laughs> <laughs> are written by someone named Mark. <laughs> I mean, and I mean, when I, you know, and growing up, I would do that. Like, I, I remember like doing Google searches or going to Barnes and Noble and we're like, ooh, like looking at these like dictionaries and they're great and they're fun. But then I realized like, like there were just, there was actually like so many different interpretations for one thing. I became overwhelmed and like, well, okay, what does it actually mean then? Like it can be this or this or this. And so I just kind of like let go of that. I'm like, okay, no, like what is my current relationship to this symbol or to this person or to this, this structure? you know, and, um, and, and, you know, what, what is that relationship? And so that's how I can start finding, finding meaning with it. So that's one thing that I would recommend like right away for people is to not do that. The only time I would be like, yeah, like do a Google search. It's totally cool. Is when like the easiest example for me to share is like, if you share, if you were to dream about a certain like flower or plant and that, that it does exist, but um, you don't know anything about it. Um, you would go to this, like you know, your your internet search engine, and you wouldn't put what does what does a chrysanthemum mean spiritually? Like I wouldn't say that it mean like in a dream. I would just say I would I would I would look up just like facts about a chrysanthemum flower. How, you know, like what colors does it come in? Where does it like to grow? Does it have any medicinal properties? And try not to read like the folklore part, which is really interesting, but just get a general sense of like, oh, like I wonder why I don't know about chrysanthemum. I have I don't know anything about chrysanthemums, you know? And so just doing a, a, like maybe like a Google search in that way where you're not trying to search we're not trying to, I guess, like not trying to find information about it within the context of of dreams, but just like as as it is, like as a flower, as like a plant being, and then maybe you can ask like, oh, like I wonder what my mom or grandma's or my friends' like favorite flowers are, and then be like, oh, they're chrysanthemums. Okay, maybe this is connected to you. So, those are the only times I would ever like recommend doing some kind of Google search. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, needed. <laughs> Needs to be said. <laughs> um, I want to ask you the last question that I always ask sure. on this show, um, which is just because the name of the podcast is Living Open. What does Living Open mean to you? What comes up for you when you hear that? Yeah, I think as a Gemini, <laughs> being so much in my head, um, I think what what came up first is like my heart and really leading with my heart and not being not getting so stuck in my thoughts and the many thoughts that roam my mind um and really trying to connect back to my body and my heart center um because for the most part i feel like what comes up when i focus there is what feels more true to me than these like loop pedal of thoughts that are running through my mind that aren't always the, the most healthy for me. Hmm. Um, so I think just being, uh, you know, leading with my heart and sharing my heart, um, with knowing that like, you know, I don't want to create walls around my heart, but at the same time, knowing that, I, you know, I, I have to be really, I, have to, I still have to be protective of my heart and, and that's okay. And that, um, yeah. And that like, you know, being able to do that is such a sign of strength. Again, like I, I think about that, that ex-partner of mine that was like very academic driven, like very, so very heady, right? Very heady and not that much heart and not so much spirit. And I'm just like that, like that's colonialism. That's the patriarch. That's white supremacy. Like, you know, and not, coming from a place of like heart and spirit. And so like that to me comes up when you ask the question about how, I, how you know, living open. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Um, can you tell everyone where they can find you, work with you, all of those good things? Yeah, so on, on both Instagram and on my website, um, the handle is Blanca S. Villalobos. Um, that's for my website and for Instagram it's blanca.s. Um, 
s.yellowos. Um, and I'm sure we can probably type that out on the show notes. Definitely. <laughs> so yeah. to spell it. <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, I would say that Instagram is probably the best place to learn about things and to see my artwork or see my, pro- I guess, my process and research. Um, but I also do have a newsletter and my newsletter, um, you can subscribe to it through my website. And it's usually there where I tend to share first about upcoming offerings and then I'll wait maybe like a few days or a week and then I'll share it on, um, on social media. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I love talking about dreams with you and hearing more about you. It was really lovely. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks, Erin. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Definitely check out Blanca's work. We mentioned in this episode that I took a class that Blanca held about dreams. I would highly recommend that class and anything else that she offers around dreams. I will definitely be doing um, more of those kinds of experiences with her in the future as well. So check her out, follow her on Instagram, her website, all of those links are in the description, of course. And if you love this episode, if you love this podcast, please do tap five stars wherever you're listening. You could write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Um, It really means so much to me and is a beautiful way to be in exchange with the show outside of money as a way to, yeah, show support, support the continued creation of this show that... I love making for you and I feel so honored to have you listening to. It's a delight to be along with you in your earbuds and in your kitchens and on your park walks and everywhere else that you're listening and telling me that you're listening on um, Instagram when some of you have messaged me saying that you like to make art while you listen to the show. That just like makes my whole heart melt so (laughs) wherever you are listening to this thank you for being here you are special to me and i hope you have a supportive week i'll be back on monday with another episode so stay tuned and um, be in touch on instagram at eryNJ underscore or patreon until then